Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode 33, New Adventures with Diana Trout, recorded on July 31st, 2015. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. So I just got back on a plane today, this like literally an hour or two ago, because my flight last night got canceled. It's always, that's why I keep telling you, bring extra underpants. I know. It's an important rule to have, <laughs> but yes. So I came back from Texas this morning and uh, I did have barbecue and Tex-Mex while I was there, but I was there actually to do something that I've never done before, which was make a presentation to a big box store about a product to see if they were going to carry it in their stores. And, and that's a whole interesting thing because, you know, I think we think of like the craft industry as a kind of like cute mom and pop kind of thing, but I was reminded how very like corporate and business it is. It's big business. It's millions, billions of dollars. So tell us what you learned. Um, you know, I think like uh, anything, you know, uh, you I, okay, so in my life, right, I pretty much wear like jeans on a good day and pajama pants on a not good day. Um, but so it's very casual. So whenever I go into a corporate environment, I think I'm expecting people to be different creatures than I am, you know, and I was very reminded in my demo that to work at a craft company as your corporate and you have all this stuff, but you also have at least some appreciation for the art as well and uh, for the products and to get excited about it. And I was just reminded how important it is just to get people excited so uh, would you say that there's anything you would change about the way you did this one going forward, or you pretty much think you have it? Um, it well, I mean, it's hard to say. I have no idea whether they're going to pick up the product or not. I mean, I think I did my best, and I remember you saying to me before I was going, because I was very nervous, I couldn't sleep the night before, I was like a hysterical person, I started to like, you know, hyperventilate the whole thing, and you were like, relax, it's not up to you to make this happen. You're there to do like a job, which is to do a really good demo, and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, but it may have nothing to do with you, and I was reminded of all those times when I was a theatrical director, and people come to auditions, and so very often, somebody would be great, but they just weren't a right fit. They just weren't what I was looking for. They just had the bad luck of having followed six people who looked identical to them and were just as good. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a business plan. You may give the best demo in the world, but it's not going to fit with their business plan. And you don't have to worry about that as long as you do your part. Exactly. Do your job, as they say. Yes. Anyway, so someone who's been doing this job that we do for a very long time is Diana Trout. And I first met Diana, um, gosh, it's got to be four or five years ago, maybe, at a Create Art Retreat. That was the art retreat that Cloth, Paper, Scissors used to run. Um, she, she was part of our Misfits crew, which I appreciated. Anyway, Diana's professional life is weighted equally between her twin passions for teaching and creating. And she is currently working with abstracted florals in watercolor. And she's also known for her series of stitched paper cloth. And she's beginning an offshoot project of hand-dyed eco-papers with a machine and hand stitch. However, I think, uh, at least I and I think a lot of other people really know her for her book, Journal Spilling, Mixed Media Techniques for Free Expression, which was published, uh, I don't want to say a long time ago because that makes it sound really old, but it was, it was at the very beginning of the art journaling craze, maybe even one of the precursors to the craze. Um, and she has, uh, she lives in the Philadelphia area and, um, mom, you didn't, you live in the Philadelphia area at some point? Yes. In a town called Philadelphia. Oh, there you go. So it was actually in Philadelphia. Anyway, so Diana teaches art in person and online as well as maintaining an active blog and a YouTube channel. So welcome Diana. Well, thanks. It's thrilling to be here with you and your mom. Hi, Eileen. Hi. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. So I want to talk about a whole bunch of things. The first of which is I know that you, I saw on your blog, you've been doing this thing called hashtag love summer art. That was totally awesome. Um, the, uh, somebody, a cinnamon Cooney is her name from YouTube, um, had, uh, an idea to pull together YouTube content creators, uh, just artists, uh, crafters, any kind of crafter, and just pull us all together and have this hashtag event 
And so that we could sort of share our readership, go back and have a ton of, of videos pop up. And uh, when you type that into the search bar, there are many, many videos on anything from knitting to fine arts. And um, I think it was hugely successful. It lasted for four days just a couple weeks ago, I think. And um, I really pushed myself and made four videos. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I really got a, a lot of subscribers and found a lot of really wonderful content creators. So what kind of stuff did you make? Well, let's see. I did a, I sort of started off with an organized your journaling video, your journal supplies video. And um, I'm journaling a little different these days than I had been. And so that was the, that was the start off. And then I did some... I want to talk about that because I know that, again, like I said, your book, Journal Spilling, when did it come out? Oh, you know, you, uh, yeah, good question. Um, five years ago, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Five or six? I don't know. So it was, it was really at like the beginning of what I think is the huge case. By the way, somebody is crackling. So I'm going to just say, Diana, do you mind unplugging and replugging your headset and we'll see if it's you. Otherwise we'll make my mother do it. So sorry. So it came out five or six years ago, which is definitely, I think, sort of at the beginning of before art journaling became sort of omnipresent. Yes, it was back, I think, more in the days uh, before it became sort of mainstream. Definitely. And, and you were saying that you're, so I assume that your style has changed since you published that book five or six years ago. Absolutely. I mean, there's still a lot of what I do is based on the same things in that I really, I, writing needs to be a part of it. It's still a very organic process for me. Nothing is pre-planned. Um, but uh, mostly it's, a, it's um, my supplies have changed to, to be more simple so that I can work anywhere really easily without having to have my whole studio at my disposal. And are, did you do that because you're traveling a lot? Uh, no, I really did it because I just was finding I didn't have the time I used to have to, um, I, my teaching is, I teach more, I'm, I'm online more than the, um, online presence as, as anyone knows is, takes up a whole lot of time, the marketing online stuff that goes along with being a, an art business and, so I just sort of am, it's a, it's sort of an out of the studio thing now or not going to happen. So I just set things up a little bit differently and I spend some time um, prepping things so that it's, it can be bagged and, you, and taken out of the studio. And it's just a lot more accessible for me this way. Well, I think it's one of those crazy things that you always think about, which is that, uh, you know, in order to do the part of your business that needs doing the art marketing, you actually have to stop doing some of the art. That's insane. I know. It's just the way it is, though. It's with any business. It's a business just like any other. It you, is. Uh, and let's talk about the business a bit. So uh, you make your living doing this. That is right. And so like any artist, like the rest of us, you probably have a thousand different ways that you make money, right? That you make a living from it. So, so what yeah. are some of the things that you're doing? Okay. Well, let's see. I am, uh, just started teaching on curious.com and that's a, that was a startup. I just, I got involved with them maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And they have, it's an online learning platform subscription-based, and they have everything from, I learned how to use Photoshop there, and I'm, I'm serving up classes in mixed media. Um, they have everything in between. And so that is one of my income streams now. I have um, online classes. I do meetup classes in my studio. Oh, do you and have a big studio? 
Well, I have a studio that has two rooms. It's the third floor of my house. And one room is my classroom video room, and the other room is my studio. We, when, when I have a meetup, we have maybe six people. And if, there, if there's a couple more than that, we sort of spill over into my studio. But that's, my studio is usually where I keep the wine. <laughs> for, for our Friday night wine and art nights. <laughs> I'm it's teaching fun. at home for the very first time tomorrow and Sunday. Oh, nice. And nice. I'm kind of, I mean, I live in a little New York City apartment, so I'm sort of hysterically perplexed about how I'm going to actually move all the furniture. I got to get the furniture somewhere. I, I Unfortunately, I was try, I was measuring my couch, and I originally I thought I could stand it on end sort of out of the way, but I think it's going to be taller than the ceiling or longer than the ceiling is tall or something. Well, give everybody, hey, uh, what did they call them, TV trays or whatever I know, they're right? Hey, you can sit on the couch and craft. There you go. It's I funny. I've, I've taught a couple tiny, tiny New York City apartments, so that's it can be done. It's doable. Well, especially now that you've pared down your art journaling supplies so that you can just use a small <laughs> amount of stuff, right? Well, <laughs> so, <yeah>. sure. <laughs> so then, so you're teaching classes both online and in person. What else are you doing? Um, um, I don't know. What else am I doing? I'm, I just seem to be busy all the time. Well, you're blogging uh, and you're making oh, videos, thank, right? Thank you, Joy. Thank you, Julie, for reminding me. Yes, I am making videos for YouTube. I'm trying to get up to a, a video a week. Wow. Um, I know. It's a lot. But it's. I just was shooting some video this morning, and I'm thinking maybe it's not. After doing those four days straight of videos, I think I can do it. And I might skip a week now and then. But I think it's a good community. I think it will bring business to my blog and business to my curious thing. And I'm also adding, a, I, I recently have been adding affiliate links to my... For people who tutorial. don't know what affiliate links are, will you explain that? Yes, they are. Um, I have an arrangement with the company that I direct people to that... I get a small percentage, and it's not big. It's very small percentage of the sale, and it doesn't it doesn't cost anything for the customer. Um, but it's sort of it's just a, I'm doing a service for the company. And the only thing, the other thing with affiliate links is that um, I'm, everyone I've ever seen using them has only used ones affiliates or products that they have used. So I think that is something to look for. If you're using someone's affiliate uh, link supply list, make sure they're using them. You can pretty much be assured that I am um, always. Well, you know, I think it's so interesting that you say, Diana, that you're uh, doing a service for the companies. Because actually, I always think providing supply lists with links is actually a service to the customers, to the people who watch. Because I know, you know, 25% of the email I get is, what was that white pen? What is the ink pad you're using? What's the name of the stamp carving material that you like? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I totally so. agree. And I, ha I have not actually changed uh, for my classes, for my online classes, my practices have not changed except for that now. Uh, I do the ton of research I do to find, find the products online and li link them, but now I get a small bit of the money. And I, I totally agree. I get a lot of emails about the same thing. And um, that's that. It is a service to students uh, as long as you use those products yourself, and I do. Can we talk about something that this brings up for me, which is sometimes there are people who are not happy that you may not you specifically, but that one may link to a product or. Uh, some people take advertising, uh, whatever, that there's somehow this idea that you should be blogging totally for free and that you should never uh, ask the reader for anything. Uh, 
it's not everybody who feels this way, but there's an occasional person who feels kind of resentful that you you would be making any money off of this, and yet it's enormously time-consuming to blog. It's a job for, for a lot of people, and uh, it's kind of a delicate balance, don't you think? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing is I think people want to feel your authenticity, and that's why they freak out when things start to get commercial because they want to feel that you're still being like who you are. I mean, you read a blog really for the personality of the blogger, right? Um, but I do think on the other hand that like you would never say to a doctor, don't use your skills to make money. You would never say to a lawyer, you know, don't use your skills to make money. But people all the time say to artists, you know, you shouldn't be making money off that. And it's kind of like, why? I mean, I totally agree. I think I think that's probably exactly right that that for some reason, I think that artists are seen as as people who just make art and we are and that's that's therein lies the problem it's sort of like I have enough trouble like remembering that I'm I need to make money while I'm making art and so it's it's just not cultural it's it's almost like the culture has changed so radically like you know kids going to art school are you crazy get a day job um we don't expect to make money from as artists, but my expectation changed. I decided somewhere along the line that that's baloney. I'm going to make Mark uh, money. I'm going to make my living from art, and that makes it a business. And as soon as it's a business, you have an accountant, and um, you're still the same person. But I've had people yell at me both ways. <laughs> I had somebody say, you know, I did a video on um, what color distress inks do you really need? Um, you know, I went through them all that I had. I compared them. And somebody uh, had a pretty kind of an irate response and said, that's because you're an artist. You don't think we need all those. So, I mean, you can't. Eileen, I think you're totally correct. We can't let anything one way or the other sort of bother us because I know I'm genuine and most people do too. So if somebody's going to have something to say, they will. Well, I think most of the time people um, attack you or lash out, I would say, usually because they're uncomfortable about something. It's not actually about you. Like I'd say the person who yelled at you about the distress ink, it's probably because they feel uncomfortable because they have all the colors and suddenly we're feeling judged, right? Exactly. By having all the colors. So that's not about you. That's about them. And the same with, you know, uh, anything else. Like I get comments all the time, like on my YouTube channel, your voice is really annoying, or I don't like this uh-huh. and I don't like that. And I'm always like, you know what? It's a free video. Relax. I don't, don't watch the f- it. <laughs> the famous comment that Julie got was. Oh, yes. Once yep. I was very upset by it. My mother was like, you are ridiculous. That's probably a 12-year-old troll who wrote that. It just was somebody who wrote, you're fat. Ha. No, no. Your oh. hands look fat. Oh, and then somebody else. No, that was a second one. Somebody oh. else told me my hands looked fat. Plenty of people have told me that I'm fat in my life. Trust me. And oh. online is always pleasant when people do that. Oh, how how delightful! I really I, I don't understand that at all. But you know, I think you're absolutely right. And frankly, just so everyone listening to this podcast knows, I would like to have every single color of distress inks. <laughs> <laughs> Along with every color of marker and dabber and everything else they make. So there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I pretty much would like to live like at the craft store and just have that be like my studio space and you run to whatever aisle you need for whatever it is you want. I can't tell you how much I agree with that. I have been ordering, <laughs> I, you know, I've been really trying to stretch out lately away from, not away from, but into, I see the big... Um, crossover between art journaling and scrapbooking Mm. and I finding it very very cool so I'm doing some I just did my first scrapbook page this morning right I know it was really fun and um different different 
I just did it in my big journal, but um, I have some ideas. So I'm kind of excited and I'm making cards now, which I never did before. So I've got, I've got new supplies. I had to go out and buy new supplies. I think you just <laughs> had to. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I truly did. I really needed them. <laughs> well, you know, it I think so it's like one of those things like making makes you make other things. Yeah, I think though, I, I sort of, I just had my 59th birthday. And um, so I'm in my 60th year. And I'm thinking a lot about what does that mean? And one of the things it means is that it is now time to finally let go of art school of fine art school and really just, I mean, come on, just have fun and forget about it. Will you? So, so let's, let's, sort of, I was going to say, let's talk about your background a little. Did you, do you have a BFA or an MFA or both? I have, uh, either. I went to, uh, Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts in Philadelphia. Uh, I didn't finish because I'm just one of those people. Actually, I think I got, I was, I was pregnant. This is, gosh, this is a long time ago. But (laughs) I know. uh, Let's see. Well, it's like 28 years ago, 30 years ago. So, um, yes, I never finished. I have like, I don't know, three courses to go, I think. Or maybe one. No, I think I have a math course. (laughs) Oh, no, a math course. Yeah, I know. I think that's what it was when I checked because I checked about 20 years ago. I thought maybe I should just finish it. And that's what I heard. I heard I had a math course. That's what it was. So so you you get to be the cool art school dropout. Yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm the, I'm the, the, the rule breaker who is finally breaking rules at 60. Um, that have to do with having fun, just crafting and um, making art that doesn't necessarily need to have this deep meaning. So, uh, yeah. So I, I have glitter now. <laughs> oh, no. Glitter, the herpes I, of the craft world. It gets everywhere. I know. I hated it. I, I actually hated glitter. Well, one time I had a class, I do these library classes um, with kids at, at my local library. And I had a class of 36 to 10-year-olds. Now, tell me, what, I, what was I thinking? I took glitter into that classroom. No! At the library. Ugh. 30 kids and glitter. And I, I stopped in to pick up some groceries later. That It was the evening. And Uh, The guy at the checkout said, oh, you look so beautiful. Your face is all shiny. Uh I said, it's not shiny, that's glitter. (laughs) I think they're still sweeping up the glitter at the library. (laughs) Glitter is amazing. I mean, here's the thing. I love the look of glitter, but the mess of it drives me batty, and I am a messy person. I, yeah, I know. I know you are. I've seen your videos. <laughs> I'm a messy person too, but I, I have found the wonderful, this wonderful thing called a Swiffer mm. that picks up glitter and embossing powder. And uh, yeah, that's a good thing. So, so Diana, I'm obviously going to post some pictures of your work um, okay. when we post the blog post, but I wonder if you could just talk a little bit and describe sort of what your work is like, what's your aesthetic. Well, it's kind of, everything kind of comes from, like in terms of the flowers, I look and draw, I look at and draw flowers a lot, like realistic flowers. And then when I go to make a painting. I sometimes will look at them, but mostly I'll just kind of want to feel like flowers rather than look like flowers. So I'm trying to become more abstract with them. And I think I'm making some progress with that. That's for those of you who don't know, that's really hard to do abstraction. It's, um, it's not easier than realistic. So that's kind of, they're just very happy. I feel very happy when I'm painting flowers. I'd like to watch the color run 
the watercolors run and blend together. And um, they just make me really happy. So I've, I've really enjoy, I really enjoy those. Uh, the, stitched, the stitched pieces are a little more intense in terms of I have to prepare uh, the paper cloth. And you, there's a, I do have a YouTube video on that. Um, I can put a link up on my blog on that. Or send you the link to that. For people who don't know what paper cloth is, will you yeah. just, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. but nonetheless, will you explain it? Absolutely. It is a piece of muslin, muslin, you lay down a piece of muslin on a piece of plastic, you paint that with a thin down glue, you put thin paper on top of it, you paint it again with glue, you set it aside, let it dry, and then you can do all sorts of things to it, paint it, stamp it, stencil it, etc. So I'll make a palette of that, a broad palette of that, and then um, uh, just sort of piece them together in a in an almost quilt-like fashion, and um, do some hand stitching. And uh, I don't think you have any of. Well, I just had a piece in uh, Somerset. Was it May, twenty fifteen? I think it was May 2015. Um, there was an article on uh, paper cloth uh, with a nice example of a couple examples of my work. And um, I also have pieces in Seth Aptar's book. Uh, I forget which one. The Pulse, the Pulse of Mixed Media that has a paper cloth piece in it. So, um, that, you know, that's, those tend to be a little bit more deep, like deeper stuff, um, than the, the flowers that are just, just happy and relaxing and fun. So, uh, I guess that's, and then the, the third series, I can send you some pictures if you'd like, they're, there are pieces, papers I've been working on for probably three years now. I've been dying, um, printing, eco-printing with um, plants. Will you explain a little bit about eco-printing? Yeah, you would take like um, leaves, like maple leaves, oak leaves, uh, flowers, some flowers, um, and you... Um, Put them between paper. So I'd make a stack of paper, plant materials, paper, plant materials, etc. Weight it down, put it in my steamer, and cook it for an hour or so. And as it cooks and then cools, the prints from the plants, just the plant sort of prints itself onto the paper. And then you can do other things like add um, different, like ferrous iron to it, and it darkens it, and other things too. So I have this huge range of papers that have just begun showing up, and sometimes they like they break, they tear, or get bubbled in the in the steaming process. So it's been really interesting what comes out of that. So I'm stitching those. I've been stitching those up slowly over the past year or so, I might just, this might be the moment to start taking some pictures of them, actually. You know, I, I just sent Julie recently uh, a link to an NPR radio uh, story about people who work with tea bags, and they use the tea bags to make art, including yeah. uh, one person, there's a great kimono that this person stitched out, and they were talking about the difference between using like the cotton tea bags, the silk tea bags, and all this stuff, and I think there is a there's a real interest in thinking of of uh, uh, ways to use fabric that kind of meld painting and sewing and all these different arts together. I really the stuff is really attractive. Yeah, it's it's very earthy, and I I really love it. I got into it a few years ago and was totally immersed in it because there's a lot of chemistry to learn 
when you're talking about this kind of fabric dyeing. And I just stopped fabric dyeing. I did some of that, but then I stopped and went just to paper and worked with, I was working a lot with another artist. She's a textile artist, friend of mine. And she's actually, grow, she was growing the stuff and we were out picking the Queen Anne's lace. And uh, it was pretty, it was, it was a pretty ex great experience and it's still ongoing. So I'm still dying, but I really need to get to stitching and drawing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what's next. I think what's over this winter, I'll be doing some of that. So one of the reasons I titled this podcast New Adventures <laughs> is because I, was, I feel like you're in a phase right now where you're doing a lot of new things, trying some new things, stepping away from some old things. Do you think that's true or not? That's absolutely true. I'm finding it really difficult to travel these days. And um, my husband's about two years away from retiring, and he's going to come on board with me. Uh, when he retires. Um, oh, you'll be one of those lucky ladies who has the helpful husband. Oh, he is so, uh, he's been hugely helpful. He's so good. He puts kits together for me. He carries, he's always done this for shows. He takes, you know, he sets me up. And, and that's another thing I'm doing too, is more local shows uh, this year. I've done a couple already and I have two more upcoming and he sets up and he hangs out and he's great. So, but he'll really be able to do like a lot of the marketing, look into licensing to do some of these really businessy things that I don't have time for. So that'll be great. So I'm, I am sort of, I, I have been for the past couple of years sort of relooking at what I'm doing with in terms of retiring or at least he's retiring Interesting, because, you know, there are so many um, successful artists out there who have a husband in the background who's doing a lot of the business stuff. Like off the top of my head, I know Donna Downey's husband, Bill, runs her business and Alyssa Burke's husband, Andy, runs a lot of her business and uh, Chrissy Tomlinson's husband, Ben, runs a lot of her business. And I think that kind of partnership, that kind of team really does help you step forward. I think it's the only I think it's. I, I don't think I could do another thing right now. And it's not so much the hours in the day that get me. It's the amount of time of hats I have to wear. I find it really becomes very, very stressful. And um, I just, I, you can only do so much. I mean, there's really, there's, it's not even about hours. It's about exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> and the things that I love to do, paint, make art, blog, and I'm really, I love making YouTube videos and teaching. They just, it's a lot of things. And then you add in the business side and you're just blasted, as you know. <laughs> I do know that. So, so <laughs> let's just talk for one second about the, about the idea of newness. Because I think um, my own experience has been that I go through, I think I'm always looking for new, but there are certain periods in my life in which I just am actively casting off the old as a like clear decision, not as an accident and reaching for something new. Do you, do you feel that way or do you think you're sort of always in an evolving state? I am always, I think, that, no, I think that what you just said is right. I have a book that I read probably once a year. Oh, shoot. What's it called? Oh, man. Journal spilling? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's called journal spilling. I read it once a month. It's usually right here. It's, oh, yes, The Power of Less. The Power of Less. Who's the and, author? Yeah, hold on. Um, the author is Leo... Hold on, let me put my glasses on. B A B A U T A. And okay, I will put a link in the show notes for people. This is this is a fantastic book. Um, I really do read it at least once a year, and I find myself. I'll write down a list of things that I'm doing 
all the things I'm doing, and then I lit, I write next to them, yeah, this can go, this can go, this can go, this can go, so that I can make room in my life, because I love doing new things. I love it. I thrive on it. Um, it's the thing that gets me most excited is doing something new. So I have to let go of things, or I, you know. You know. you know, that sounds wonderful, and you can do it with all different aspects of your life. I can see, like, going through one's email and saying, all right, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, and uh, going through your clothes, get rid of this, get rid of this. It just sounds wonderful to continuously be divesting, because I just know, I think crafters also tend to be gatherers, not, mm. you know, and hold on to things that are that are interesting or lovely or possibly useful down or the road. Or that you paid a lot of money for. Yeah. And so yeah. Even though you don't want to use it, you don't want to let go of it. Yep. Yep. There's that. I think the power of less is an amazing idea. I mean, it's kind of like once I've packed for a vacation, getting dressed every day is easy, you know? It's true. Because you don't have to yeah. think about it. Yeah, it's true. I have done, I have done this um, with, we live in an old house, so have very little closet space. So my closet space is extremely limited, and um, it's really no problem to get dressed. It really is just no problem. I don't have a lot of clothes. Well, it and makes me think about how you're paring down your art journaling supplies, obviously. That's so the power of less. Yeah, and I think you can get, a, like, I have a new rule, and um, that is that I have to think of at least depending on the cost of the item. And I have to think of, at the very least, three things I can do with that item um, right off the bat. So, in other words, I just, I just clicked the Buy Now button on a big shot die cutter. I think that's what it's called. Sizzix, big mm -hmm. shot. And uh, it took me a couple of months, and I finally came up with, like, 20 ways I could use it. And then I was like, okay, that can come into my life now. You know, I used to have a dollar rule, which is, let's say, if something's $5, you have to find five ways to use it. Right. So it was really easy when I was doing a ton of scrapbooking because it's like if an embellishment, which is a single embellishment, is like $3, you're not going to use it three different ways, so it's not worth it. Right, right. Right? But, and on the other hand, like if a die-cut machine costs $150, if you can think of 150 projects that you're going to use it on, then it's worth it. Well, I don't think I thought of like all the ways, not only that I could use it in, in the craft room, in the art room, but how my students could use it, how I could use it for my students. Then I started thinking about how I could use it in my paper stitching projects, in my quilting projects. And I was like, ah, oh, God, that just put me over the limit. I'll click now. There you go. Bye now. Bye now. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, cool. I really like to use my, um, you know, die cutting machine, my traditional die cutting machine like that as a miniature press. That's a great idea. I know. That's Another why I said reason it. to buy it. <laughs> no, because oh. here's the thing, which is like, even though I have the scan and cut, which is a far superior cutting machine, but yeah. I still like the uh, ability to use it as a press. So like if I want to do some faux letter press, if I want to do a, a little bit of faux holograph, if I want to do, oh. you know, that kind of stuff, it's not exactly like a printing press, but I mean, even to get a mini like printing press from Blick is like $800. I know, I right. know. I so, know. and it's one of these Sizzix-y things is only like, what is it, 150 bucks or something? 112. 112, what a bargain. So. I know, <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, my, you know, I, that does it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited now. There I you go. I was a printmaking major, a minor. I minored in printmaking. Well, there you so. go. Now you got a little print studio. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> Maybe you should get two. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I get another one, it's going to be a scan and cut. That's the There you go. I know, stencils. I'm thinking stencils. but So uh, many cool things. 
Yeah. That's yeah. the thing, which is there's so many cool things. And I I love the inventiveness of craft because anytime you have a supply, you can literally Google like, what do I do with this? And somebody has come up with a hack, an idea, uh, you know, a something to help you out. It's true. I, I, and I find myself, I, I think they, I heard the other day that YouTube is the second, is the second largest search engine on the internet now. Oh, it's, I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Because I had to change the filters in my air uh, purifier the other day. And I was like, I don't know where the directions are. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited now. Now that just. Oh. <laughs> I wish You're even could. more excited. I'm even more excited. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing, which is I order a ton of supplies online, partially because I live in New York and we just don't have the craft stores. There's not a Michaels, an AC Moore, a Hobby Light. There's nothing I can go to like that. Right. You know, so I'm so used to ordering them online and you have that delayed gratification of like you ordered it, you want it, blah, blah, blah. But I know a lot of people who write to me often are like, where can I pick this up in my area? Partially because I think some people don't like to go online to order stuff. They don't want to give out their information or whatever, but partially because there is that immediate gratification thing of like, I see it, I want it, I put it under my arm, it's in my car and I'm home. Right, right. I, yeah, I, I, with the exception of many of my, my art supplies that I get, cause I do have a local, um, independent art store and I, um, patronize them, uh, I do have, we do have a couple of those big box stores, but I'd much prefer, I, I really don't like running errands. I mean, you can almost get run over in a parking lot these days. So I'm not really a big one on getting running errands anyway. Well, I, I just need a, I just, I just need a personal assistant who will, you know, do all my things that I need done. I have a personal assistant. Her name is Google. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. She's cheating on me with you. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> Everybody's going to be using her. It's a disaster. <laughs> now, Oh, now, now, can you cut this part of the interview, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody doesn't know. I know. Do people do that to you all the time? And I know I have done it. I have done it. Where you're like, you go, where did that come from? Where did she get that? And you're like, instead of Googling, you ask the person. I think most people now Google, but you used to crack me up. And this is years ago. They're, they're like, where did you get that? Google, search words, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, you know, it's part of the reason, like, so I have a search bar on my blog that's powered by Google. So if you're looking for something you remember seeing on my blog, you can type in some words and whatever will come up. Or if you're looking for, like, rubber stamping techniques or whatever, you can just do it. And what's so funny is, like, I would say 85% of the time when somebody writes me a question where they're looking for a post, it's not like I know. I literally go to my site, you know, type in those words and then email them the link. I know. I do the same thing. Where did you get that? Where did... Where do you get such and such a thing? And I go to Google and I find it and I go back. And they must think we're really smart. <laughs> I know. I always think people think I'm way smarter than I am because I get asked these questions that I'm always like, I have no, like, I, I have no idea. Like a lot of times people say like, what happens if you, you know, put this on this? And I, and I literally am just like, I, I, I don't know. You should try it and then let me know. <laughs> Yeah, you could do that, but I, you know, it's, it's, they don't know that we have that personal assistant. They just think we're smart. There but you now go. Everybody knows now everybody about. knows. I'm actually so much stupider than you think. Uh, okay. <laughs> Can we get, go to this, the whole experimenting thing? Because I think one of the things that a lot of people are afraid to do is to experiment with their supplies or to cut their rubber stamps, to only use part of something but not the whole thing, or to use it in a different way. Do you both, I know Julie does this, do crazy experimental things, or are you? do you treat the supplies in a kind of more sacred way? Um, I used to, um, uh, but you get over that. It's something, I think, anyway, Julie, I don't know what your take on this is, but I, I really do tell people that you'll, you'll get over that. That's just something you have to work on. It just takes practice to not be afraid to wreck something. 
You know, I used to teach this class called Ruin and Rescue, which was based on the idea that if you know you can rescue something, then you're no longer afraid of ruining it. That fear of ruining something is what keeps you from taking that next step because you don't think you can ever get to that point again. Right. That's a really cool idea. That's, yeah, that's essentially what, um, I like that name of that class a lot. Um, in fact, I was just, this, uh, but well, I've done the same thing with Gesso. Like in a lot of my classes, I'll say, don't worry. You know, I have, you have Gesso in one hand and you have collage materials in the other. You can't go wrong. Don't worry about it. And, um, this, this scrapbook page I was working on today, I actually was like, whoa, that looks really nasty. That looks bad. So I just went over <laughs> So, I mean, I did, I, I was like, I just push it further. Sometimes it's just a question of pushing it further um, and not making, not feeling bad, not saying, oh, I yeah. am not an artist after all. I didn't think I was, and now I'm sure I'm not. You know, that inner critic thing. Well, you know, I recently, so this business trip that I was just on, um, one of the people I was with was constantly talking about what she was eating and whether it was a good choice or a bad choice. Um, now, I, I do watch what I eat, obviously, but I'm a big fan of the idea. I remember my mom used to say this to me all the time, like, if I would come home on a Friday from school and, like, mope around about not wanting to do my homework, and she'd say, well, you have two choices. Either you just do your homework now or you don't do it, but you don't feel guilty and kick yourself around all weekend, and then you just suck it up that you have to do it Sunday night. It doesn't work to feel bad the whole time. You know? Eileen, Eileen, I think you and I were the same. That's exactly <laughs> what I said to my kids. Like, exactly. Okay, Are you copying me? <laughs> I don't know. Where did you live in Philadelphia? <laughs> I'm you know, copying you. And, boy, that's good advice, darn it. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, that is exactly the same idea, right? If you're going to eat the freaking bag of Cheetos, then enjoy the damn bag of Cheetos and don't feel bad about the fact that you ate the Cheetos the whole time. It's not worth it. And the same thing I feel is like if you're gonna make if you're gonna be painting and making a mess, like stop feeling guilty or bad, either that you should be doing something else or that you're not very good at it or that, you know, whatever it is, just enjoy what's happening in the moment or but don't do like, it. I think that's a practiced for many of us and learned behavior to especially women um, who are so uh, supposed to be so perfect all the time. I think that's a something that takes some time and takes self-talk and it's Well, we okay. have a lot of guilt about things and one of the ways you you assuage guilt is you show awareness. So, if you set, if you uh talk about going to the gym, it's almost as good as going to the gym. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I had a period of time where I always had a gym membership but I never went and then I realized that Buying, writing the check to buy the gym membership wasn't actually enough exercise to justify the whole thing. And I think that we alleviate guilt that we feel about things or unpleasant feelings or whatever by talking about it. But you know what? That just means it permeates every single thing we do. And yeah. why should we let that happen? I don't know. I had a funny experience uh, recently. I'm I really am trying to watch my weight, but um, I quit smoking a year and a half ago. And Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And as a result, I did gain a good bit of weight. So, you know, I'll have this thing where I'll eat a bag of M&Ms and then say, well, are you happy with yourself? You know, kind of like yelling at myself. And so the other day, my response to myself was, yeah, I am. They were really good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's like exactly what you're saying, I think, Eileen, where I was like yelling at myself and then just, and what you were saying, Julie, like, yeah, I am going to enjoy yeah, that enjoy bag it. of peanut M&Ms and then I'll get back on the wagon. Exactly. You know? This is this is my whole like thing that Weight Watchers has taught me, which is some things are worth it and some things aren't, you know, right. and right. that's a right. personal choice. But it's like, you know, I... Cheetos are worth it to me. M&Ms are worth it to me, you know. But there's other stuff that's not. And that's when you just make those decisions. 
I, well, the I, wagon uh, doesn't have to be filled with bran and kale, you know. There is yeah, room oh. for <laughs> M&Ms and Cheetos. <laughs> Thank God. They don't weigh a lot, Cheetos, so I feel like they're very comfortable to bring along. They're very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was going to say, though, I think so often with art making, it really is like you, you – I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again because I tell myself this all the time, which is you have to let go of your expectations. You have to approach the canvas – the page, the tag, the square of cardstock, whatever it is, with just a let's see what the heck happens today kind of feeling. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's one of the things that I have been noticing. I've been sort of spying on the card makers and scrapbookers and um, not spying on them, but looking at them. That makes you sound very creepy, by the way. I, I know. <laughs> and we all, everybody, anybody who knows you will tell you that I'm a big creeper. Um, <laughs> um, I'm watching what they're doing and they're very goal oriented. And um, I think we need less of that in our lives. And I think we need less of that in our Certainly, that's always been the opposite of what I teach in journaling and in art in general. Um, I'm very much a see-what-happens type of girl. Mm -hmm. But I think um, that the scrapbookers are way too careful, and so are those the card makers. They don't like to get a smudge anywhere. Yeah, you know, I think it's all about comfort zone, which is to say, I know people who love math because it's, to a certain extent, before you start talking about insane high-level math that's theoretical, it's finite. Do you know what I mean? The proof works or it doesn't. The numbers add up or they don't. And I think some people approach their creativity the same way, which is they see the result they want and it is a satisfying process for them if they get the result that they want. You know what I mean? I think that's one type of person. Yeah. I, I, I think the other type of person, which I happen to fall into that category, is someone for whom... I enjoy a good result, but I don't want the result to be the definer of whether the, I am, the process was good or not. Exactly. And I have gone out and bought, um, I have still sitting here from like two years ago, a set of embroidery that I'm going to finish. I liked the way it looked and I'm liking the way it looked. So I am following along and doing that. So I am... It's been a nice process, but I, I'm looking for the goal so that, as well, I'm looking for the product here. But I guess what I'm saying is that I think we are in so much of a hurry um, and that we, women in particular, who are so busy and so burdened, can't justify messing around with paper and paint without it them say, then being able to say, this is what I was doing with that paper and paint. Not I was having fun. Mm-hmm. Not I was practicing. It's, it's to me, it's, to me, I really, I see it as a problem. I really do see it as an issue. I see it as a huge um, problem, and I think you're totally getting at the heart of one of the issues that comes up in class all the time. I've had exactly. women cry in class. I've had women who basically say, you know, this is something that they love doing, and people in their family, either when they show them something they made, basically poop on it or otherwise say, is that it or I, I don't know. get it. Oh, my God. My and even I've had women say I had such a good time today, but I'm going to have to go home and explain to my husband that after all this money I spent, all I made was this paper. Right. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and I think I know. that's that's really hard. And the really hard part about it, besides the fact that my heart hurts for them enormously, is right. that there isn't an easy solution when you're with somebody or have people in your family who don't get that, who don't support you in just being happy doing something and not expecting some sort of result, there isn't an easy solution to that. There isn't a, a quick way that I can tell you how to fix that. And all you can really do is hug the person and say, you know, this is a community where you can share those things and people get it. Well, well you know, isn't uh, it funny that you don't, uh, this is a preponderantly female uh, 
area, crafting, right? So let's say you're a man, although there are women, who's, and you play golf, and you spend a lot of money and a lot of time hitting this ball into the hole, and nobody come, asks you when you come home, well, what did you achieve today? You spent all that money, and that's what you got for it? It just once, they, once, we don't ask them yeah. to ju- we don't ask people to justify some things, but somehow the crafting we ask them to justify it. Once again, Eileen, is it on waiting. me or Elaine? <laughs> it's Eileen. Eileen, I had it right. Okay. Well, it yes. depends. If you don't like what we I said, are, it's you Elaine. Are my, no, <laughs> you're like my twin sister. That's exactly what I say to people. I tell them. Does your husband like football? Oh, yeah, he watches football every Sunday. Do you, is he expected to have a, a product at the end of the football game? Does he play a sport? Do you practice sports? Does anybody ask you, does anybody question you at all when you say, I'm going to practice, I have a softball game on Saturday, I'm going to practice tonight? Does anybody? No. That's like a total no-brainer. Of course you're going to practice. Uh, this is the same thing. There's no difference. So that's kind of my response. And to me, um, it does take a little bit of thought, but you can get there if you look at it that way. I would I like mean, to grab onto something you said, which is that idea of practice. I'm going to go practice for my softball game. Right. I think people don't often think about, I'm going to go into the studio, even if your studio is, I'm going to haul out a tub and unload things onto the dining room table, but I'm going to go there and I'm going to practice. I'm not focused on finishing something. I'm not focused on being amazing. I'm going to go and practice. Yeah, this is something I talk about a lot. I I talk about that a lot, that um, in my classes, on my blog, um, it's really important to me to think to to try to um, explain that to people that like people who tell me their handwriting is terrible, then practice. How do you write so well? I practiced. How do you draw so well? I practiced. Uh, you. That's what we're doing. That's what it's like. The practice of yoga. The, re- the reason people are able to meditate is they practice. They call it a practice. It's what, well, there's, what you do. Somehow, <laughs> there's this idea that to be to do art, you either have it or you don't. And, and if you have it, then you should be able to produce something fabulous all the time. Well, even the best athlete in the world has to practice. Right. And in fact, the best right. ones practice constantly. That's you know? right. I mean, it's yeah. interesting because my friend Natalie was telling me that she um, had an art teacher who literally said to her, you're not good at this. You can't do this. Oh, my God. You know, which is a horrible thing. And it totally shut her down from art for years and years. And now she's a person, obviously, who makes her living at art. But it still affects her to this day. She has this sort of, like, you know, problem with it. And and I, I think it's the same as, like, I was listening to a podcast the other day about a kid – who was told by teachers, you know, you're not good at school, you know, there's no point in you being here. And if luckily for him, instead of depressing him, it made him say, you know, screw you, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think like that's such a disservice that people do all the time to young people. And I don't know if they do it out of frustration or what, but telling somebody that they can't do somebody instead in something, instead of encouraging them and trying to find ways to help them grow makes me insane and I I feel like a lot of people get shut down particularly in art and creativity whether by their families by a teacher or by their own inner critic and like I think one of my biggest jobs I would say as a blogger and as a teacher is to open people back up and to say you know that you have to put on, you have to be satisfied yourself first. You can't, you can't have it be satisfied from the outside. My friend Jen says that um, one of the parenting things that she was taught is you never tell your child after they do something, I'm so proud of you. Because then they, their understanding is that if for them to feel good about themselves, you have to be proud. 
So instead, what huh. you're supposed to say is, after they do something fantastic, you're supposed to say, you must be so proud of yourself. Oh, yeah. And that makes them think that actually where pride should be or where their happiness should come is from how they feel about what they did. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Which I, actually I, kind of loops back to our beginning conversation that I that mom and I had, which is I did my part of this meeting regardless of the outcome. So can't I be proud, even though I don't know the outcome, just because I did my part, I hope. Yeah, it sounds like you did do your part. So, yeah, but it, it it's an absolute. We just went in a total circle. <laughs> that was really great. <laughs> it was a fun circle. There you Let's go. Let's do another lap. <laughs> It all comes full circle. So actually, it, it, it looks like we've been talking for about an hour. It's probably a good time to wrap up that circle. Uh, so, Diana, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at my blog at dianatrout.com. And on my blog are all the little links for Facebook and YouTube and all Twitter that stuff. and Instagram and everything awesome. Yeah, everything's there. And um, also there's a link to Curious, which I'm, I'm enjoying. And um, yeah, it's all there. It's all there. That's the hub. Excellent. And mom, like- would you like to drop a bit of Yoda wisdom on us? No, because I'll be sitting here eating Cheetos and (laughs) M&M's. And not feeling a whit of guilt about it. Not a whit. There you go. Okay, so as always, you can find me munching on Cheetos at balzerdesigns.typepad.com. Do leave us your comments or questions at balzerdesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag pound arting podcast, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.